0: According to reports, intelligence officials have warned the Prime Minister that China covertly funded candidates in the 2019 election. While it's not yet clear who these candidates were, it's not the first time the Chinese regime has tried to influence our politics, and apparently it's not illegal. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post columnist Terry Glavin joins me to discuss how this funding worked, the extent of other forms of foreign influence in our politics, and why attempts to address it have been stymied. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Terry, earlier this month, A global news reporter, Sam Cooper, released a piece that caught a lot of people's attention about warnings the Trudeau government had been given by intelligence officials regarding China. Just for people who who aren't familiar with what the allegations out there are, what were the general nature of these warnings?
1: Uh, The general nature of the warnings were that China, agents of influence in Canada, supported by the Toronto Consulate of the People's Republic of China, and pretty significantly monkey wrenched and monkeyed with the 2019 election. Now, this is something that we've all known and CSIS has indeed reported on this to, uh, the, to, to the House of Commons and the NISCOP, the uh, National you know, Committee on, uh, on National Security and Intelligence, uh, has also reported on this. And 2019 was uh, was pretty weird. Uh, 2021 was pretty weird, too. But what Sam reported was he kind of put flesh on the bones of a lot of this stuff. And very specifically, he reported that the Toronto Consulate had made about $250,000 available to an Ontario MPP who had then transferred the funds in some fashion into a network of uh, campaign staff and actually people working in MPs' offices as well. So the money went through this network to the advantage of at least 11 candidates in the last election. Not necessarily all Liberals. There may have been a New Democrat and a Conservative in there too. And so Trudeau has said, no, 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 i you know I' know not, I've had no reports of the Chinese consulate giving money to m p s or federal candidates. Well, that wasn't exactly what Sam reported. I mean, it's complicated, right so it's all a bit of a muddle
0: and and it's been a, a little over two weeks since that that initial story, and there's been lots of reporting since then. Do we know yet which candidates potentially benefited here? I would put money on it. How much do you want to bet?
1: <laughs> I would know. Well, the odds wouldn't be great because there's actually way more than 11. Uh, and we would, that, that that little group was just in the GTA. I mean, my gosh, when you get out west coast here, it's uh, quite a hayride. But th- their, their names have not been reported.
0: And what about other possible interference?
1: One of the most brazen acts of foreign interference Uh, I would say, in the 2021 election was um, none other than our former ambassador to China, John McCallum, when he uh, admitted on the record to a reporter from the South China Morning Post that he was inviting and encouraging his former counterparts in the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs to conduct themselves in such a way as to ensure the re-election of the liberals. But the, the the interesting thing is he did it in plain sight, and that's where this stuff, stuff happens in Canada. If it were clandestine, you know, it, it would have been another story. In fact, arguably, it would have been against the law. But if you do it out in the open, it's actually not against the law. And so that's where this stuff happens.
0: <laughs> and, and and that wasn't the only purported interference in the in the twenty twenty one election as well, right? Like as I understand it, there was a large kind of misinformation campaign that that actually cost a, a conservative member of parliament his seat because he was really pushing hard against Chinese influence. What happened with, with that case? Yeah, I
1: I was writing about this before and during and after the election. And uh the Atlantic Council's Forensic Research Lab did a lot of work on this and found that, I'll quote from their their report, China-linked actors took an active role in seeking to influence the September 2021 parliamentary election in Canada, displaying signs of a coordinated campaign to influence behavior among the Chinese diaspora voting in the election. And a major target of that campaign and, and our own um, uh, Disinfo Watch, a Canadian group, did a lot of work on this as well. And so did a lot of people in the Chinese dias- diaspora, the pro-democracy movement. They were tracking this as well. A lot of this stuff happens on, on WeChat and uh, other Chinese-language uh, some social media platforms. They went after Kenny Chu because Kenny was sponsoring uh, a bill. Uh, in the House of Commons, that would require agents of foreign governments who are in any way interacting with Canadian politics, Canadian politicians to register, just put your name down on a register so we know who you are, and uh, everybody's uh everything's on the up and up and that was hotly opposed by of course you know China's friends in Parliament, particularly I would say Peter Harder who's the former chair of the Canada-China Business Council, he's now a senator, and also Yen Pao Wu, who's a senior senator. It was essentially a a very, you know, simple piece of legislation, not unlike what the British have have in place, what the Americans have in place for decades, what the Australians have put in place, that, that basically says, you know, there's foreign influence going on here, there's foreign interference in our politics, and, um, you know, we should know who these people are for his trouble. He was targeted by a really gross, really awful disinformation campaign. People were, you know, the, the, and it was the China global times and the ministry of foreign affairs in, in Beijing that began, that began the campaign quite publicly, you know, to the effect that, you know, this is like, you know, the Chinese head tax. This is like, uh, You know, anytime a Chinese person writes a letter to his MP, he's going to be called down to the RCMP and, you know, he's going to be considered a foreign spy and all this kind of carry-on. So it was really ugly, really, really, really ugly.
0: Now, this may sound like a stupid question, but for people out there who are are kind of thinking, well, okay, so, you know, a foreign government is trying to... to sway politicians in Canada to their own ends? What's the big deal?
1: Yeah, you'll hear a lot of, uh, you know, and I don't mean to be uncharitable to the Liberal Party or to, to liberals, but there is within uh, the Liberal Party, you know, a couple of subsets that actually work very well together. One is the sort of true anon. CNN's Jake Tapper described them that way. You know, they're just like total dear leader cult around Justin. And the other is uh, the China lobby. Uh, and the uh, the Demeray network, and you know the Crutzen people, who are all very uh, uh, all doing very well from, for themselves in the China trade. There is uh, nothing wrong with another democracy. Uh, you know, people in another democracy uh, giving out of themselves about uh, politics uh, in in Canada. And there's certainly nothing wrong with Canadians giving out of themselves about, uh, about uh, politics and another democracy. We do it all the time with the Yanks, and they do it all the time with us. And sometimes it's a little overbearing, you know, when you get Michael Moore coming up to Canada and basically showing up at election rallies. But, you know, we can have it out, right? We can, have a, we can get into fisticuffs, and it's all very gentlemanly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's all very rule of law. But China is not a democracy. China is an imperialist, state-capitalist torture state, and they are on the rampage throughout the world. They completely upset the post-war consensus, the liberal rules-based international order that emerged in the late 1940s. They completely destroyed the United Nations, the sort of China, you know, the Beijing-Moscow-Tehran axis. You know, there's a war in Ukraine going on right now. It's, a, it's, it's nasty out there. So, yeah, there's a big difference between China doing something like this and the United States doing something like this. And, you know, the Americans are not interested in some subverting Canadian politics to the, to, to the purposes of their, you know, grand scheme of global conquest or something like that. You know, there's, there's Republicans, there's Trumpists, there's Democrats, they're a bunch of they're crazier than we are.
0: We'll be right back. now the the accusations of China trying to to exert influence are nothing new. I mean it we even saw it when it came time to revamp the the wireless network in Canada and concerns over uh, the company Huawei and its ties to the Chinese regime being involved in setting up the five g network in Canada. How long has this kind of interference been going on?
1: Well, what we know for sure, and I mean for sure, because this comes from A document uh, that the Financial Times uncovered in an investigation into Beijing's influence operations in 2014, they came upon a United Front Work Department training manual that boasted boasted openly about its successes in Canada, that uh, six of their candidates were elected in 2003, 10 of their candidates were elected in 2006. And I mean, you know. You've got, I don't want to be mean, but you've got, you know, and it's not just the Liberals. Uh, You know, you've got Senator Victor O and you've got, you know, well, my goodness, we had uh, Jean Charest, you know, who was working for Huawei. Not quite a lobbyist, certainly not in the capacity of a lawyer, but his job was to uh, try to stick handle Huawei through all of our national security tripwires. And get them embedded into core 5G in Canada. He's making seventy thousand dollars a month doing this, and he and he wasn't honest about this, by the way, when he was running for leader. But it's mostly it's I hate, I hate to be mean, but it's it's almost almost entirely the Liberal Party, and you know they're quite open about this. You know when when uh, when, when when Trudeau got elected, the Chinese embassy was very clear on what it wanted. They wanted a free trade agreement. They wanted a pipeline to the coast, and they wanted the federal government to figure out how to tell Canadians to shut the hell up and stop bitching about China. So they got their pipeline to the coast. You know, Trudeau went over there, you might remember, in December of 2017, 2018. You know, uh, Little Potato, you know, sort of this matinee idol expecting everybody to cheer for him, and, and there was a bit of that in China because, you know, he's Trudeau's kid, Pierre's kid. And Pierre is, uh, you know, uh, is well remembered in China as, uh, you know, the guy who ended up uh, getting China introduced into everything from the United Nations Security Council to ultimately the World Trade Organization, with Jean Charest's assistance along the way. And so the Chinese, you know, he wanted all these little baubles and and flourishes in his version of the free trade agreement. And the Chinese basically boxed his ears and said, you know, you're being obnoxious. You're just, you know, some preposterous little wazir from a distant principality. Just do what you're damn well told. So Trudeau comes home with his tail between his legs. He leaves uh, Francois-Philippe Champagne there. Uh, You know, they talk about an extradition treaty. (laughs) You know, can you imagine? I mean, that's what the Hong Kong Revolution was about, was uh, an extradition treaty. And here's Canada, you know, going over to Beijing and saying, hey, let's have, a, have an extradition treaty. So uh, this goes back a long way, and it's actually quite deeply embedded. You know, the other, oh yeah, influence, foreign influence, the things that Beijing wanted. Uh, the other thing, of course, was the pipeline to the coast. they getting a pipeline to the coast. And the other big thing was the, um, the issue of the tenor and tone and scope and scale of public discourse in Canada about China. So what, uh, you know, after having the the chairman of the Canada-China Business Council head his transition team, Peter Harder, and then putting him into the Senate, Trudeau plucked Greenspawn, the the former editor of the Globe and Mail, put him into the public policy forum, and the public policy forum initiated a two-year effort to tell Canadians how wrong they were about China to mani- manipulate public opinion essentially about China and uh Trudeau went out of his way to uh basically be a public relations man for uh for the regime and you know he he had Li Qiang uh the Chinese premier uh you know out on the ice in Toronto with a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey and all the photo ops so um You know, so so what's foreign influence, right? What is CESA supposed to do when they go looking for, uh, you know, a very specific foreign influence operation in this country, and they find find liberal cabinet ministers, they find senators, they find their own prime minister, you know, at uh, hosting cash for access dinners, bringing senior... Liberal Party donors together with Chinese billionaires and senior operatives from the Chinese Communist Party. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of wide open, right? Like, we don't have law and, on, on this. And, and that, that, that's the thing to keep your eye on, I think, is that if it happens out in the open, it's not clandestine. If it's not clandestine, it's not against the law. It's become completely acceptable in Canada.
0: So in the wake of this, in the wake of this global story, we have, you know, we have Justin Trudeau trying to call out Xi Jinping. We have MPs on the, on the procedure and house affairs committee saying they'd call testimony on the matter. What do you make of the the PM's response to this? And do you imagine that the controversy around this story will lead to anything substantive like the kind of legislation that... We've already tried to to bring in.
1: Well, you know, I I'm not very good at the clairvoyance business, so I'm <laughs> not going to predict. But there's a couple of things that I think people should keep their eyes on, and it's the, it's it's this business of of the law. You know, Trudeau's saying, you know, there was no problem in the twenty nine or twenty one twenty one election. There was no threat to national security. Well, you know, actually, the the panel that was established. Uh, did, did, doesn't look into these kinds of things, and in fact, just did make observations, did make reports to that uh, election interference observation panel, whatever it's called. But there was no, there was no compromise to the overall uh, uh, election process in Canada in 2019 or 2021. Nobody's suggested that, uh, and it's not clear. I mean, they're not always successful, right? I mean, the United Front campaign. against Kenny Chu in 2019 was over the top. It was unbelievable. But he won that election. In 2021, he didn't. You know, when you've got Trudeau saying, we've got all the tools that we need, the intelligence agencies and the national security agencies in this country have got all the tools that they need to deal with this. And yet the week before, in front of the House Procedures Committee, you have CSIS saying explicitly, "We do not have the tools we need. We don't even know where to start. so you know who who's who you know who's telling the truth here And I think you know I mean it's just, it's it's all on the record. This is the thing that's so interesting about it is that what CSIS has said uh is all on the record. Here's the thing. it's quite possible by the way that, uh, you know, the story was that Trudeau had been briefed, and he basically, I mean, Sam didn't make a big deal of this. I think a lot of everybody else did, that Trudeau kind of sat on this information for nearly 11 months. It's quite possible that he didn't see these briefing notes and memos, or that he did see them and he forgot about them, or that, you know, the former uh, national security advisor who was just leaving at the time, and uh, Jody Taylor, the new one, was coming in. You know, I mean, it's through the it would have been through the National Security Advisor that we would have got this stuff. You know, maybe one of them forgot, or you know, I mean, I'll, people should be forgiven for, for that kind of thing. So, you know, anything is possible, and I think we have to keep an open mind about that, and we have to, I think, just go with what we absolutely know, and what's public, and what's on the record. You know, you have to look for it and you have to dig around a little bit. You have to have some good sources and contacts. But, you know, when I, I, I like Sam a lot, um, you know, there's a handful of us in this country who write about this stuff. You know, my beat's kind of, you know, international affairs, you know, foreign policy, the global struggle for democracy around the world, which has been in retreat for the last 18 years, the unseemly influences of, uh, of state capitalist regimes in in Canadian politics and that sort of thing. You've got Bob Fife and Steve Chase at the Globe and Mail. You've got Tom Blackwell uh, at The Post. You've got uh, Sam Cooper and Stu Bell at Global News. You've got Jeremy Nuttall and Joanna Shu at the Toronto Star. And you've got me. That's a small town, right? And uh, so it's really hard to sort of keep your – Your eye on a lot of this stuff, and um, but as I say, I mean it's all being really, really well documented. Uh, Amnesty International and the uh, uh, the you know coalition of Chinese diaspora groups have reported out three times now, and they've talked to Cesar at length about the extent of intimidation and espionage and bullying and threats that they have to put up with from these guys in Canada. And so it's actually, you know, it's kind of embedded in our culture now, unfortunately.
0: So one last question on this, Terry. We're not just talking about political interference, are we? I mean, I I recall stories earlier this year talking about unsanctioned police stations being set up in cities like Toronto. We're talking about influence being exerted on everyday Chinese Canadians, aren't we? Totally.
1: Totally, totally, and that's the thing. And it really—I have to say, this is something that makes me very angry because you have a very visible and extremely vulnerable ethnic, racial minority group in Canada, and they are victimized by these by these operations. And I mean, they are terrorized by these operations. You know, we had—I guess in twenty—wasn't it twenty nineteen? I guess you know some of the some of the lads were uh, protesting uh, you know the hong kongers were out uh, they had a little rally in front of the chinese consulate in vancouver and they had to hide in a church and uh, you know the, po- the police were called out they closed tenth street they, these guys they show up in their mclarens and their ferraris you know it's not good it, and and you know another thing is that uh, we just don't cover this stuff like I guess it was three, was it three or four years ago? Now there was a pride parade in Montreal, and there was a delegation from Hong Kong, and they wanted to, uh, they wanted to march in the pride. It was just a maybe a dozen, a dozen, a dozen kids. You know, they wanted to march uh, with in the pride parade in in Montreal, and the pride organizers mentioned this, and they thought it was really cool. And well, all of you know the the consulates people. You know, they marshaled all these thugs to come and honk their horns and scream and shout, and uh, so the pride organizers wouldn't allow them to march. Now, you tell me, if this was some right-wing American Christian Westboro Baptist church disrupting a pride parade in Montreal, it would be front page stories, banner headlines across the country. And, uh, you know, that's, anyway, that's one little thing that makes me mad, sorry about
0: that. No worries. Yeah, it is. You know, um, it's an important story. I'm, I'm glad that there are people like you and, and others in this country who are who are working on it. Terry, as always, thanks for your time.
1: Nice talking to you.
0: Ten Three is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Terry Glavin, more from him dot com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.